Bernard. Come up to this area over on the right, please. Can y'all hear me? Ruby Romero at the Tabernacle office. Sister Bernard in the building and Sister Hall, the missionary. I'd like we have a reserved place for you up here. And I'd like for Sister O'Brien from Bogalusa to come to the front, please. Sister O'Brien from Bogalusa, there she comes. If you are, you're feeling mighty deep, mighty good. This is the soprano section. And uh, we have a very special part. We really do. Women have always had a very special part. It started way, way, way back when the promise was given to Eve that of her would come forth that one that would bruise our enemy. Terminal bruise, that's what he was going to get. And ever since then, right on through the Word of God, they'll get this adjusted in a minute, I hope. Right on through the Word of God, there has been a great and tremendous 
beautiful part sung in that choir by the women. He's picked up the old ones like Elizabeth with her wrinkled face and years of disappointment. And he has enriched her voice to fill in some of the most beautiful areas. He's picked up the young ones, even the young teenage Mary, when he said of you, the promise so long given to one of your sisters is going to come to pass. And here we are, the women of God, all together, one more time, getting ready, practicing. Because someday, because of the scripture that says, upon my handmaidens and upon my daughters, there's going to come a special outpouring and a special anointing for the last days. And when women have lost their direction, there are going to be some very disciplined choir members that are going to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. And someday, someday, the godly women will stand in that wonderful heavenly choir. And you talk about a beautiful soprano section. No cracked voices from a grieving heart. No squinted eyes from too many tears. But we're going to have the clearest view and the clearest voice you could ever, ever imagine. Lord Jesus, we have come in simplicity, Lord. Neither program nor form nor plans really matter. Simply that we're together with you and we're with one another and we're relating through the blood of Jesus Christ. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing, Lord. We thank you for these women, for the strength that they're bringing to the church and to the home and to their families. For the saints of God who walk in this world as women. We ask your blessings and your help today. In Jesus' name. other songs that I've sang over and over again and I think to myself well why don't I learn some new songs but you know it seemed like I just never take the time or just don't get at it but someday in that heavenly choir I hope to sing that new song that brother Beckton preached about this morning that's my desire to be able to sing that new song praise the Lord I'm only human Oh, I'm just a woman Help me believe in what I could be And all that I 
this is the will of God, even your sanctification. That's the will of God. Set apart, set aside, strictly for His use. Top priority, God and His will. You may be seated. Oh, such a wonderful, wonderful feeling here, isn't it? I don't know whether it has meant to you what it does to me, but I am so thankful and happy to feel such a relaxed, here I am and there you are, and we're in the presence of the Lord, and nobody's trying to impress anybody, and we're just here trying to find direction and encourage and fellowship and bless. I love him. I really do. How many of you have your Bibles? Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts, the second chapter. And we'll all stand for the reading. This has kind of become the theme of our women's growth program here in our district. Acts, the second chapter, we'll read the 42nd and the 46th and the 47th verse. And I want you to listen to the soprano section as we do the little speaking part in our choir practice. And they continued, that's all together, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. We only have a brief time. We've got a lot of things to do. But I am still so excited for what God has done in our district this year. We have been in an ongoing program. Worship has its place. Preaching has its place. But when you boil it all down, it's all going to really count as to what we do as disciplined individual Christians. And that's what we women have been working on, is lining ourselves up, getting ourselves in a position to be everything that the Lord Jesus wants us to be. We have been busily engaged now for several months in some concentrated Bible study. We have been doing a lot of things that we had not done or not done as regularly as we had before. How many of you have attended one of our growth meetings this year, one of the regional conferences or the women's retreat? Would you raise your hand, everybody? If you were in any of the sectional women's conferences, I know there were several hundred there, and in the women's retreat. Get them up high. Well, praise God. We've got some new ones here today. If you've missed some of those meetings, you have really missed something. We've got to take a little checkup for those of us that were there because I believe in doing it and doing it right. The Lord says you're going to get, he's going to say well done if we do well. Now, how many of you have completed your Bible study your personal Bible study of the books of 1 Peter and 2 Peter. Completed them or you are practically complete. I have to add that because I'm in the last chapter of 2 Peter. 
I thought I'd get through for sure before today, but I still lack a few verses. How many of you are well into it if you haven't completed? Would you raise your hands? Hasn't it been rich and wonderful? Have you enjoyed it? And are you praying better? And are you checking off your priorities? Are you really getting things in order? Your home is being builded up. Your husband is being builded up. Your children are being cared for. And God, above all, is not neglected in your life. He is doing wonderful things for us, and I am so thankful for it. This is the end of our year's meetings for this year. We'll be having some more meetings next year, but for this year, this is conclusive. Now, for just a little direction as to what we're going to be doing, those of you that have not done this, if you'll check with somebody that's around you, I'm sure you can find out. We want to go into the book of Philippians, and then from that into the book of James and Ephesians, and then I would think maybe Ruth or Esther or Romans or Acts. So you have from now until next March. And by then, we're going to all have to have another notebook, aren't we, to put it all in. But that's the next chapter, or the next book that we want to study together is the book of Philippians. If you are not engaged in this, then join with us. See me personally or see somebody that has been in these meetings because it's a tremendous thing. We must get back to basics. We must not be milk-fed Christians. That means we've got to learn how to study this for ourselves, not read it, but study it every day in learning how to pray and read and decipher God's Word for ourselves. It's going to take it. We are not promised what is going to happen or how much of it we're going to have to dig out for ourselves before this thing winds up. And we best better get with it. Did you know it? I really mean that. I mean that sincerely. And those of you that have been engaged in this, I would dare say, and I'm just saying these things as quickly as possible, but I feel like it's very important that when you started having to make notes on a Bible study that you were doing without anybody's help, I think you discovered how little study you had actually been doing. I have a firm conviction, I believe God spoke to me, that Pentecostal people are weak in ways that we need not be weak because we have depended on the ministry and depended on the church. Now that is our authority, but we are supposed to grow up in the Word and in the exercise of prayer. And it's not one thing to talk about, but it's one thing to do. And the only way you do it is after the shouting is over and you've got a pile of laundry and a pile of dirty dishes. Somewhere in there you've got to work out time as a godly woman to get into the Word and get on your knees in prayer and then involving yourself in the work of God. Well, praise God. He's doing great things. We're getting great reports, wonderful reports, and I thank Him for it. Let me make just a few announcements. And Sister Clark is coming, and then we'll uh, have another song, a few more things, and then Sister Freeman as quickly as possible. Uh, they do have some notebooks in here at Woolco, those of you that have been inquiring. We do have a few books left. Would you believe since the month of March that you dear women in this district have bought between 12 and 1,500 books? And I am now being deluged with requests for more 
I'm sorry, you're going to have to wait till next year. Uh, we just can't handle them the rest of the year. But that is marvelous. That is wonderful that you are reading that much. And it will enlighten your mind. It will lift your spirits. It will make you more capable in handling the problems. We have a few left. Love Me With Tough Love. And it is a very good book. It's a hardback book for $6. A very few left of The Way, which is a devotional book, $3. We have some left of The Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman, which I think is a very important book at this point in our what we're trying to do for $4. There are a few of the measure of a woman. For the preacher's wives who ordered the outline for Bible studies, you remember what we're talking about in the, in the meetings, they are now in. Sister Yaden will have those. Sister Hennigan has the other books. Sister Perry will have some books that Sister Clark will be telling you about. And now I want to bring to you the Queen of Louisiana District of all the women none other than our dear, sweet, wonderful sister, Vida Lee Clark. Thank you, Sister Tenney. And I repeat again, the most precious things comes in small packages. Our First Lady. We want to welcome all of you here today. We're so happy that you're with us. And when I looked out over the audience and I saw so many hands that were not raised, who did not attend the conferences or get to attend the retreat, we welcome you to this ladies' meeting today. We hope you thoroughly enjoy it and you'll be so enthused about it. You'll return home waiting anxiously for our spring conferences and our meetings to begin in 1981. We're grateful also today for our special guest, uh, Sister Bernard, who is with us from Korea. Sister Freeman from all over the world. <laughs> Sister Kilgore. Brother Kilgore's wife, the one spoke to us so beautifully last night, and Sister Becton, whose husband taught this morning so musically beautiful. <laughs> well, it's great, isn't it, to be together, to talk about the Lord and about the work of God. We're in a great hurry. We want to get Sister Freeman on the floor, but I want to tell you about this book that was began by our dear sister Morgan. She wrote just a few chapters in this book before she passed away. So Sister Kinsey approached Sister Chambers asking her would she finish the book. And she so graciously accepted. And we're grateful for that. Now you'll enjoy everything Sister Morgan had to say because she was just Sister Morgan. That was all. She wrote just like she talked. And so we enjoy everything Sister Morgan has to say. In part two, the introduction, uh, Sister Chambers gives us about three months of teaching to our local ladies in the local church. You can use these topics, preserving, teaching, guiding, adorning, conforming, guarding, 
thinking, serving, growing, loving, praying, and reaping. Beautiful Bible lessons that you can hand on to your local church. Praise the Lord for all the good word. And we would love for you to get one of these, if for no other reason, just for a memo. <laughs> Sister Morgan, something that she said, and Sister Chambers, who was formerly our general superintendent's wife. Now, don't let the price scare you away. It may be a sacrifice to buy one for $7.98, I believe, isn't it? Well, it'll tear up a $10 bill, but that doesn't matter. You'll enjoy it so wonderfully, you'll be glad you tore up the $10 bill. And uh, we're going to have Sister Perry out there with these books, and if she does not have enough here, we have, uh, I ordered 100 from headquarters, and those of you, if they're all sold and you want more, just see us and we'll see that you get the books. Now, I wonder what we're all thinking about today. I hope you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. What is it? Yeah, every time you look at poor old Sister Clark, you said, there goes poor old Sister Mother Memorial. Well, it is, dear old sister, mother, memorial. You're right. But I'm glad that God just gave me a little bit to do to boost and try to sell you on Mother's Memorial. I told someone last night, I said, remember Pearl Harbor? And they laughed. I said, I think I'll make me a placard and hang it on my back and say, remember Mother's Memorial, and I won't have to talk so much. Well, we're coming to the end, and I hope that uh, your offering is in and you're happy about it, and I hope you can feel real at ease in your heart that you did everything you could possibly do. She hath done what she could, and that means a whole lot, doesn't it? All right? If you haven't brought your linens in, We'd like for you to bring your linens in. Bring them to the administration building, and we'll take care of them from there. Now, I would like to give you just this. In 1957, the Louisiana District offering was $1,475.79. In 1980, our offering was $85,211. And 86 cents. Praise the Lord. The overall national offering for 1957 was 5,000. 5,000. Hasn't God brought us a long way? Oh, it's so grateful. I just love Him today for all of His blessings and for all the great things that He's done for us as ladies. We're bringing to you at this time, uh, we used to call her the Songbird of the South, Sister Ruby McKellar. She'll be singing.
against a struggle that has shattered all of your dreams and your hopes have been cruelly crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fears don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear just praise the Lord for he can work through those who praise him praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you they'll drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they'll drop powerless behind you when you praise him. Now Satan is a liar and he don't. I'm going to start over again because this is my favorite verse. Because the last few months I had been through a terrible storm. And I thought that I could fight it by myself. But I found out that I couldn't. I found out that I really needed God. And it's been so good for me. And many mornings I just rolled out of my bed right on the floor and began to praise Him. And when I did, things began to fall in place. And so real to me today, I'm so glad. I've got such a great heritage. I love him today. He means everything to me. This beautiful church means everything to me. I've put my whole life in it. It has been everything ever since I was just a young girl. This has been my, I get so excited and they say camp meeting time. I couldn't hardly wait to get out here. I've come out here and sat all day long when I was about six and seven and eight years old. And I still love it the same way. I'm so glad he's still the same great God that he was years ago. I love him today. He means everything to me. Now Satan is a liar and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself. We are children of the King. So lift up the mighty shield of faith. The battle must be won. For Jesus Christ is risen and the work's already done. So praise the Lord. Praise Him, praise the Lord. 
chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you they'll drive powerless behind you when you praise him praise the lord hallelujah praise your name jesus praise your name praise your name praise your name Thank you, Lord Jesus. The first night of this camp meeting, when my husband called the preachers to come to the front, I was standing where I could see them all so well, and the Lord spoke to me so distinctly. And I suppose he did. Because I, like you, have feet of clay. And there's so many times when you get tired physically, tired emotionally, tired spiritually, and everything looks bleak and black, and you just don't even know if you're gonna make it or not. And then the devil's always there to slip in a pitying spirit, and you can slip into a depression so easy. And the Lord spoke to me, and I'm not ashamed to tell you, it was a reprimand he said, I want you to look, girl. There goes a parade of hidden sackcloth. And I watched those men as they walked by, and it ticked off in my mind what this one had just faced and what that one had faced and the battle I knew this one had come through and the scar that I could see still visible on this one's face. And I'm bringing to you today a woman who knows what it feels like to wear sackcloth underneath the royal robes of a king's kid. She's felt scratched many times of the raw, scratchy sackcloth. But you'll never see it on the outside because she walks through this world with her purple robes of royalty and the white linen of God's righteousness, all pristine and pressed and looking so refreshing. And the secret is she's learned to praise the Lord. And she's taught a lot of us that. Sister Freeman, we're going to bring her with nothing else said. We appreciate our special guest, but I want to hear this woman because I believe the Lord has given her something, especially for us today. Sister Free. The Lord's been walking all over me. I'm so glad he does. I'm so glad he still does. And, uh, but I had a, you know, I don't know why it is. There's something about being a female. You've always got to come back. I said, but Lord, Topics like that is for these wonderful Bible teachers. And uh, I can't handle it. And he just kept on, just walking all over me. He plowed me up good. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I wish we had time to read every word of the whole chapter. 
But the theme that the Lord will not let me slack off on is his body. It's I wake up in the morning with his body before me. I go to bed to, at night. This has been going on for quite a while now, his body. And when I prayed for this service, I said, Lord, you know what a hopeless person I am. I never have learned to preach, been trying for 42 years, and I guess I'm a hopeless case. I admire Sister Tenny so much. She's so well organized and got it all together and always gets it written down and always says it so beautifully. And then all I can do is just let it fly. <laughs> and forget half of what the Lord even told me to say. And if I write it down, I lose my notes. Or I, I, for some reason I look at them and can't see them. Uh, so all I can do is just share with you what God has been laying on my heart. We're going to read just two verses here. We've got to read that to start with. Verses 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit, for the body is not one member, but many. Skip down to verse 18. But now God hath set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. God has set you in his body as it pleased him. And there is something that every member of his body must supply. I see a little trend that almost alarms me, but I know the Lord knows how to get us back on course. Every place I've gone, they're talking about the mark of the beast and the day the dollar dies and the collapse of our financial system and what are we going to do? And even one dear brother, rather well-off financially called Brother Freeman off said, now, Brother Freeman, I know you're a spiritual man. You, you tell me what to do. Uh, Brother Freeman said, about what? I mean, he didn't know what the man was talking about. He said, well, I've got three deep freezes and we're dehydrating food and we've got a lot of bottles of water and we're making all kinds of plans. Brother Freeman said, I've just got one plan and I know it's going to work. <laughs> he said, I can sum it up in one sentence. I'm going to trust the Lord. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Let's don't get so preoccupied by what's happening on the stage of action that we forget what we've got to do right now. And that is to take our place in the body of Christ and be used in the body of Christ. Sometimes I get worried about God's body. I know the Lord can handle it, but let me just describe it like this. When Brother Freeman and I first married, he had a, a circulation problem, and he loved to go to sleep with his hands behind his head. Well, then he'd wake me up. 
I'd hear him calling and calling and calling, and I'd wake up, what is it, honey? He said, get my hands out from under my head and rub some life back in them, they're dead. And then we bought this bed that had a foot on it. And then there came that night, I was afraid it was going to happen, that he went to sleep with his hands under his head and his feet up on the foot of the bed. And so then I got waked up. He said, honey, I'm dead. My, uh, my arms is dead. My legs is dead. I can't move. <laughs> well, I really, thinking back on it afterwards, I thought I should have used that situation to advantage, but I, I was so alarmed too that I just started rubbing <laughs> and trying to get some life back into his body. It's a sad thing when a part of the body is useless. And I'm afraid this is the greatest handicap that the church has. All these members that have been strangulated and there's no flow of the life of God through them and they are not fulfilling that part that they are supposed to supply. Do you know that every one of us must supply something? And I am convinced that the people standing behind the pulpit are not the greatest suppliers. The greatest suppliers are those little old saints that just know how to pray and fast and talk to God and study his word. Oh, thank you, Sister Tenney, for putting this emphasis on the word of God. We have a deficiency. We have a deficiency. We've shouted about the truth and don't stop shouting about the truth. I intend to shout about it till I die. But we have shouted about the truth and forgot to read the scriptures and study and meditate on the word of God. I didn't plan to mention this, but I have just in six weeks driven nearly 13,000 miles. And do you know what I do? The reason that what makes that just a pleasure is because I keep my mind busy with that word of God. <laughs> I'm living in that word. Living in that word. And we've got to live in the word. We've got to get all these members of the body. And you know the most important ones, you don't even see when you look at, at us, each other. I mean the most important parts of my body must be my heart that's ticking away and just keeps on and, and has been going like that for nearly 64 years and thank God for it. There's been a few times I got worried about it but it just still kept on doing its work. And, and let me tell you, the heart of God's work are those people that know how to pray. That's what I believe with all my heart. Now we'd be in a bad shape. You read this whole chapter. We'd be in a bad shape if we was all eyes or all ears or all little toes. Just imagine a, a body coming in here, just, just all one thing. We're different. God's made us different. But it's as he pleases. And he's got a function for us, everyone. And let me tell you, the most unworthy or the one that feels they are the most unworthy is just as important in the body of God, in the, this body, the church, as those that we see and hear a lot about. Because without those insignificant, the scripture says so beautifully, those weak parts, God gives more abundant honor to. And, and we never know. I rem you know, deputation is a sore point with most missionaries. And uh, sometimes when I'm feeling mischievous, I'd say, well, try nine solid years of it. Uh, but 1943 deputation was really different. 
We started out from rose pine in an old car and they had no muffler and the Valley in Texas and uh, it was difficult because they just said get out there and visit the churches and try to get them stirred up about missionary work and then we'd go to the church and some of the pastors would say well just don't mention missions please just preach to us and uh, you know it, it was hard and then Brother Freeman got real sick and I won't even tell you what town this was I don't want anybody to figure out who it was but at 7 o'clock the next morning the pastor was knocking on the door and he said uh, uh, Sister Freeman I'd like to talk to you and he heard me moving around I'd been up all night and he said what's wrong with your husband I said I think he's got the flu I'm not sure he said look I don't have time to have the flu I have checked on a train I know where you're supposed to go from here he said in 30 minutes I'll be ready to take you to the depot you've got to get out of here because I can't get the flu I'm too valuable a man my time is too important and so he got us out of there and we found ourselves stranded in New Orleans brother Freeman wasn't able to go any further his flu turned to pneumonia and then on to Cap it all off I got a letter from my mother and she said sis nobody's paying tithes and we've lived on oranges for three days so uh, please send us an offering honey and uh, so I didn't have it took all I had to pay the train station because the preacher that was afraid to get the flu was also afraid to give and I guess and so uh, when uh, I, got, so I got down on my knees and I just prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and so I got up and went out to meet the postman because I thought sure he'll bring us a, me a letter with some money in it because the pastor wasn't even home where we were staying at the church in the, in the basement of the church and uh, the, the postman just waved and smiled and walked on by and I went back on my knees and I prayed and I prayed all night and, and the next day I'm out there standing again waiting for the postman but now there was a lady in that church that had a slight impediment in her speech when she started to talk she'd always smack if she's going to say praise the Lord she said Praise the Lord, Sister Freeman. And she was just as sweet as she could be, and I really loved her, but somehow or another, her smacking embarrassed me, and it irritated me, I'll be honest, it really irritated me. And so here I am down on my knees praying, and it's looking at my watch once in a while, oh, it's time for the postman, and I got up and I hurried out, I'm going to be out there so he can put that important letter right in my hand, and again, he just smiled at me. I said, I ran after him, I said, surely you got something for us today? He said, not a thing for this address, lady. And so I went back with my chin hanging on the ground. I was so sure God had to send it that way. You know, that's where we make our number one mistake is figuring out how God's got to do it. And in the meantime, he's got his own way of doing it. And then I was called to the telephone and I heard this smacking. Sister Freeman, hello. I said, hello, sister. She said, you've been praying for some money. Uh, well, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, how much do you need, Sister Freeman? How much do I need? I mean, dear Lord, I don't even know how much I need. I just need some of it. And my kids are hungry and my mother's in need and she's sacrificing to take care of them so I can travel. And, and I said, well, sister, I don't really know. She said, I was praying. And the Lord said, you have a need. And 
I've got to supply that need. <laughs> and, well, we finally agreed that I would go over there, but you know, the Lord took me down several pegs in that moment because the very source, I knew her husband deserted her years ago. And uh, this little old widow lady, I mean, how could she be the one? You see, she was the one that God planned to use. And he wanted me to know that I mustn't look at people and, and how they speak and what they say and what they are. But, and I tell you, when we went over there to that sweet lady's house and she counted out 10 $10 bills. Listen, in those days, if you got a $10 offering for a service she was doing real good and I mean $20 you thought she was rich and when she counted out 10 $10 bills in my hand it was the first $100 offering I ever got I just stood there and bawled and squalled and asked the Lord to forgive me because I had been I, I had to confess that I had several times tried to avoid even talking to her but I want you to know I've learned a lesson because sometimes, not only financially, but spiritually, it's one of those apparently weak and very insignificant and almost, you would say, unworthy members that God uses right at the very moment to supply what is needed in the body of God. And let me tell you, there's some of these precious people that know how to weep when you're weeping. They know how to cry with you. They know how to feel with you. They know how to rejoice with you when you're rejoicing. And they're supplying what the Lord wants them to supply to the body and unless we come to the place every one of us that we supply what we're supposed to supply it's like a body with a finger that's not working or a toe or an ear or an eye God knows it's as he pleases he has put us in the body and God help us to do what he wants us to do that's what it's all about uh, for his body to begin to function it's so sad, it's so sad to see a body that's not functioning right. I fell down the stairs. I've had this bad habit most of my life of taking stairs two at a time uh, with Brother Freeman reminding me I'm about to slow down on that, just about to. But anyway, this time a little boy visiting us dropped an orange seed on the cement steps and my heel hit one. And it served as a catapult. I mean, I sure got down the stairs fast enough to suit me that day. And, and I broke my thumb. And I want you to know when uh, I tried to comb my hair and try to do it up and try to wash dishes and even to try to wash my hands. I mean, I couldn't stand for anything to touch that thumb. And when in God's family, one of his children one of the parts of the body gets out of joint it's an awful thing that stops revival it stops the move of the spirit of God I believe every time we come together in church God wants to do miracles he wants to save souls he wants people to be baptized in his name he wants to fill them with the Holy Ghost he wants to deliver men and women from their bondage and from their sin but here's his poor little pitiful body all strangulated and out of joint and, and broken and, and, and nerves pinched and, and God's spirit can't work because he put us there. I remember many years ago that I was preaching a meeting in Bonware, Texas. The pastor decided to remodel his house. 
It was one of those kind of houses you don't, I guess, see anymore. You know, it had boards going this way. I don't ever know the names of anything. And then there was another board over that crack. And these boards was all, you know, like this. And there's a big crack between them. And there was another board. Well, he took off all those boards over the cracks. And that night, a norther blew up. And uh, so I put all my clothes back on and I put all the cover in the room, but it wasn't enough. I took a terrible cold and by the next night I had pneumonia. Uh, but I, we was having such a wonderful revival and I hated to miss a night. And so a little friend, she helped me to get dressed and I went over there in the church and they prayed for me when they started the service. And I think they prayed for me between every song. I got embarrassed having to be prayed for so much, but I, I'm just so sick till I'm not going to be able to preach and the pastor kept saying well Sister Freeman will be able to preach because God's going to heal her. Well we'd got down to the testimony service and he ha hadn't healed me yet and then finally the special song was over with and he hadn't healed me yet and I'm sitting there on that bench and all of a sudden I felt impressed to pray Lord that one that you want to pray for me make a move and just when I said this this little old girl comes screaming from the back. I mean, she sounded like a fire siren going off. Uh, she was a backslider, had been backslidden for seven years. A young lady about 23 had been saved as a child and then backslid and she just prayed through the night before. And she came running down that aisle and she knelt down in front of me and said, Sister Freeman, I'm not worthy to lay my hands on you, but the Lord keeps telling me to come pray for you. I said, honey, forget about worthy, unworthy that we're God's family. Uh, why did you wait so long? <laughs> Hallelujah. And the minute she touched me, God healed me completely. Pneumonia was gone. Fever gone. Cough gone. <laughs> I, I'm not trying to tell you to just get up and take over in any service, but I'm telling you when the Spirit of God begins to move on you to do something, you better do it. He wants his body to get in operation. And when we all get in operation, there's no telling what God's going to do for us. Jesus and I think some of the things that we have had to go through has had to happen to us to help us to find out as Sister Tenney said what our priorities are some of us have had to have our hearts broken some of us the Lord has had to just let us fall flat on our face so we could get up again and realize I can't do it. He's got to do it. It's not what I can do. It's what he can do when his spirit is allowed to flow through me. Oh, body of Christ. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I'm just a woman. Oh, you are God's creation. And better than that, he has put you in his body. You are a part of the body of Christ. Now, you may not be one of those out significant parts but if your part is not operating friend we're in trouble <laughs> and oh how much how much we have lost and how much we have missed 
because God's beautiful family of women have not fulfilled their place. And I'm not trying to call anybody to preach God. Bless you if God hasn't called you. Don't take that on yourself because it ain't no fun sometimes. <laughs> It, it, it's a blessing and it's rewarding and, and I've never looked back when I finally made up my mind to obey God but I'm not trying to call you to anything I just want you to start operating where God has put you and the way God has pleased you to set you in the body now I've always loved music passionately I love music so much this is almost pitiful I just about drive Brother Freeman crazy I, I mean I, I can listen to one tape Merle Ewan sing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. I just, I don't get tired. And Brother Freeman would say, well, uh, look, really, he said, I like Merle. But he said, uh, couldn't we hear somebody else just for a little while? It's, but I, I love music. And that was the talent I wanted. But that's not what he said. That's not what he gave me. That's not the job he gave me to do. It didn't please him to let me make music. It didn't please him. Uh, but some did please him and so I've got to find it and I've got to do it and that's the important thing don't you say anymore well I can't do anything and let me add it here quick before somebody gets the wrong idea he didn't set any woman in the church to tell a pastor what to do absolutely not but he does have a place for you he has in his body a you're supposed to be operating and functioning and if you can honestly look in your heart today and you know I am not functioning like I should be maybe you're just one of those little tiny tiny cells well you know what cells are supposed to do they're supposed to divide <laughs> and grow hallelujah hallelujah uh, maybe you feel like you're just a, a little tiny part you, well sometimes I feel like I'm the little toe but I've had to go but if I'm the little toe bless God I want to be the best little toe that ever was or whatever I, I am let me be the very best and let me let the spirit of God flow through me that I can fulfill my place in his body and don't ever think you come to a place that you can't do it I'll never forget two years ago we had had a terrible trip almost almost as bad as the one we've just come off of. And uh, I, we drug, I drug into this church in Ohio. I, as I walked into the door, I said, Dear God, I feel like an old shoe that's been baked by the sun and wet with the rain and the dew and the soul is curled around and the thing is dried up. It's not fit for anything. How in the world can I come into this service and bless people and be used of you when I feel so useless and so helpless? And I still felt that way when I got up to preach and I started my text today. And I started reading but right in front of me was a little old sweet man 92 years old and he had his walker right in front of him and every time I'd make a good point he'd bounce that walker and he'd shake it around and he got me so fired up I nearly preached my silly self to death because he began to fulfill his place in the body <laughs> I don't care what your handicap is. 
I get so tired of these folks and you know the Lord is so good to me and I sure enjoy it. He, he whirl, whirls me around all over the place and so I get a good view of everything. But oh, there's such a high percentage of folks that come to me, Sister Freeman, my husband is not saved and so I can't do anything for God, bosh. You can find a way to do something for God. You can find a way to fulfill your part in the body. I don't care what your situation is. Let's quit looking at our handicaps and let's start looking at the head of the body. <laughs> he knows how useless we are. After all, he made us. <laughs> and he made us just like we are. And I used to get around these little dainty people and I'd feel so embarrassed over my number 10 feet and, uh, you know, and my big nose and everything. And finally I said, why in the world am I even worried about it? So what? I, I, I've got a high record of, of fumbles. You know, I mean, I, I, I can do it. It just, I've got so many, like tonight I was preaching for Brother Mangan and my hair fell down in the pulpit. I mean, I've got such a long list of things like that. And finally, I had to get to the place that I could say, well, so what? Let happen what will. I'm going to try to do what God wants me to do. If it takes all the hair off of my head and the height off of my back, I've got to do what God wants me to do. I've got to fulfill my place in his body. <laughs> you see, it's what's at stake. This lost world is at stake. And people are being born faster than we're reaching them with the gospel. And too many of our churches are maintaining just the status quo. You go there three years ago, and there's that same crowd there. You go there two years ago, same crowd. Visit them this year, that same crowd. That's not the way the Lord planned it. You know why it happens like that? Because his body is not functioning his body is not alive. His body is like Brother Freeman with his hands asleep behind his head and his feet and legs asleep on the foot of the bed. You, we've got to begin to be used of God. And that doesn't mean giving a message in tongues and interpretation. Sometimes it just means sitting there and praying your way through that service. You pray for that preacher until God sets him on fire. You pray for that singer until that song is so anointed, till it breaks every heart there. You pray for that Sunday school teacher until God wakes them up and uses them. Oh, God, help us. Prayer is the heartbeat of God. It's got to be. Sometimes they say missions is, and I'm 100% sold on missions. I've spent half of my life at it. But this is the thing that's troubling me so much. I am deeply troubled. I believe the ratio of increase on the day of Pentecost should be our ratio now. Ouch. I believe the ratio of increase in our churches should be the same today as it was on the day of Pentecost. We're the ones that love to say Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know what's wrong? Too many of us are doing our own thing. We're just living our own little life. Selfishness is the curse of our generation. It takes time to make telephone calls and write 
letters and, and go visit other people and to spend hours on our knees praying for other people. But if we ever become willing to do what God wants us to do, to let him use us in his body, we're going to have the sweeping revivals. Be in that missionary service on Friday and we'll tell you how God is bringing them in by the thousands in Africa. I never thought, I've seen so many people that try over here, bless their hearts, that tried so many gimmicks and thought, well, if I could just do this, I'll get it. And they've tried all kind of things. And we didn't try nothing but just keep plodding along. And now God's just, whoop, just bringing them in. Last week, got a letter that let us know that three countries it's been on our prayer list for I don't know how long and the most impossible situation that you could ever think of and we begin to think that maybe you know maybe if Jesus will tarry us coming 25 years we might someday be able to get in there and God moved on the heart of a national and he's in there and there's already five churches in one country three churches in another and if you knew how impossible those churches were you would you couldn't believe it and in another church there is already six another country already six bless God that 600 will grow because those people know what it means they appreciate the Lord and they know what it means to so let God have his way and here we live our little compartmentalized lives we, we live in our little compartment every day now I'm just saying Jesus help me to touch more people for you help me to reach out and love we got to get closer together We've got to love one another more. <laughs> I was asked by a pastor not long ago, he said, Sister Freeman, what about the charismatics? I said, sir, I don't intend to let any charismatic outlove me or outpraise me or outgive me. I'm going to let them incite me to greater love and greater praise and greater liberty in my God. And I'll tell you something else God has dealt with me about. It was four years ago that God spoke to me and he said, you hear a sermon on the radio and that man doesn't have the truth. He says some good things, but he doesn't go on with the truth. And you say, oh, what a pity. Good Lord, listen to that man. Uh, he hasn't got it. He said, why don't you thank him that he at least names my name? You thank me that, I, that he at least names my name and stop judging. I didn't put you on the judgment seat. We've got to quit judging. We've got to stop judging. That will stop the operation of the flow of the Spirit through us that we can be what God wants us to be in His body. He's got a work for us to do. I'm going to just tell you one more thing. 1965, we came on furlough. We was awful worried about one of our preachers in South Africa. We had a good cause to be even better than we thought. When we got back, we found that this man had made thousands of dollars of debt in the name of the United Pentecostal Church. And our laws are different over there. Over there, if a preacher decides to leave, he leaves empty-handed. He leaves the building, he leaves the songbooks, he leaves the bank account, he leaves the piano, the accordion. He doesn't take a chair or a track out of that church, if he decides to leave the United Pentecostal Church. Oh, that's wonderful, isn't it? But on the other hand, if he makes debt, the church is responsible. And it was so bad that they came to our house three times to write up 
the little bit of stuff that we had in our house. We had saved money that we were going to get us some decent furniture when we got back. Well, our decent furniture went off paying an unscrupulous man's debts. And that wasn't all. Here we were with nothing. They were about to take every church building we had. They were about to, take, to clean us out. It was the most awful place I ever remember being in. I'll never forget, I was ironing. And as I was ironing, I began to think about an old song that I used to hear some of the older people sing many years ago. My faith looks up to thee, O Lamb of Calvary, Savior divine. I put my iron down and I lifted up my hands and I sang it. Now hear me when I pray. Take all my sins away. And as I began to pray in the words of that old song, the Spirit of God came down and touched me. And I began to iron again. Let me tell you what happened at that exact minute. We've checked it out. That exact minute. When I said that word, my faith looks up to thee, I looked at a clock. We came next furlough, whenever that was, 71 I guess, to the USA and a pastor said, I want you to meet a couple in our church. They have really been involved with your ministry. I said, really? I thought maybe, you know, they'd send over some money to help on a church building or something. And this is a story. This new convert was awakened four o'clock in the morning. The Lord said, get up out of bed and pray for the Freemans. He'd never heard of them. He got on his knees and he began to pray. He prayed till five o'clock. He woke his wife up. He said, look, I don't know who the Freemans are, but they are in some awful trouble and I need some help. Get up and help me pray. So they prayed together then until six o'clock. And at six o'clock, they phoned the pastor, said, who in the world are the Freemans? He said, that's our missionaries in South Africa. They said, listen, those folks are in terrible trouble. God woke me up at 4 o'clock to pray for them. Call all the saints. Call the whole church. Let's get everybody praying on this. But you know, when God, 4 o'clock in the morning, when God waked that young man up, a new convert, that, that was exactly the time in South Africa in the afternoon that I had my hands up. Oh, my faith looks up to thee. <laughs> And what would have happened if that man had not performed in the body as he should have? How many people have died and gone to hell? How many battles have been lost? How many souls are in hell today because the body has not been functioning? I am so stirred. I can't rest on my laurels and say, I've been 32 years in Africa, so what? I've got to continue to operate in that body. And I've missed it too many times. Me and Jesus knows. 
I wish that just while you're sitting there, I don't want us to even stand. You know, I feel the angels here. I feel the Spirit of God here. I feel if God could open our eyes right now, we would see we were completely surrounded and all around us and among us is God's ministering spirits. But I want you to reach over to someone close to you and pray one for another. God, help us to fulfill your will in your body. Help us to be a living member of your body. We're not dead members. We're living members. Let's pray one for another. God's got to help us in this hour. We have got to come alive. strongly that we need to become extremely sensitive to the whispers of God we can become so sophisticated that we are afraid we may offend or be embarrassed to minister how many times do we miss the little opportunities that God speaks to our heart because we say, well, it's probably just me. Well, if it is just you and you do it in a loving spirit, He can make it a blessing. I'd a whole lot rather you do that than for it to be a very tragic moment in somebody's life and miss the sensitivity of the function of your part of the body. But we're so sophisticated and we're so good at wearing our mask that we so often miss the little touching, sensitive feeling of what the Spirit is saying. And along with being sensitive, Sister Freeman has brought it so, so direct. We must act deliberately. I don't know why, but I feel very led to tell you this, and we've got to hurry, we've got to get back to the service. But the other night, 
Now, I dance before the Lord an awful lot when I'm all by myself. I can get some good music on the stereo, and uh, my husband used to worry about the den carpet because, uh, you know, I just really enjoy dancing before the Lord. I really do. And I do it sometime publicly, but I don't do it a whole lot publicly. And there I was the other night in this big camp meeting, the superintendent's wife standing on the front row, and I felt like dancing. I wanted to dance so bad. But I had these newfangled shoes on with no back in them. And I deliberately, in my mind, all this was going over, you know. Girl, you get out there and try to dance in those shoes, you're liable to fall off and break your ankle. And then what, what good would you be during this camp meeting then? I'm not kidding you, that went on for probably five minutes. Now that can be a long time too. And I was trembling. I was so filled with the excitement of the Spirit of the Lord. And I took my shoe off, one shoe, and I put it back on, and I took the other shoe off, and I put it back on. And finally, just very deliberately, I just decided, it's him I'm worshiping.